If you turn your Bibles with me to the book of Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, we're reading from verse 11 to verse 14. And what I want to do this morning is take us into part two of a series that we started last Sunday titled, What If? Everybody say, what if? It's a very open-ended question, right? There's so many things you can, words, a combination of words you can add to that statement, right? But the concept, I'm, the, my goal with this series is to get us to begin to ask the deep, hard questions that are pertinent to our faith. Um, when it comes to pursuing Christ, um, you know, imagine what it would be like if we were fully sold out to him, completely sold out, I mean, embracing him 100%. Where we are, where we are leaving no room for compromise, where we are, uh, you know, just fully committed to His Lordship in our lives, and what all of that entails. And so last week we talked about not making room in our hearts for sin. We talked about the fact that when you and I came to faith in Christ, what the Bible says Jesus did is that He took us out of uh, a life of sin, you know, enslavement to to to, to our, our desires, our appetites. He took us out of that life and he brought us into a life where we are free to not only say no to sin, but we're able to say yes to God and to say yes to his lordship in our lives. And there, there, there are commitments that you and I must make in order for that to, to, to really uh, be fleshed out. And so we talk about ways that we are able to apply ourselves um, to a life where we are committed to pleasing God because we are separating ourselves from a life of sin. And today I want to focus on um, prioritizing spiritual growth. Um, can I tell you that growth is not automatic? Growth is never automatic. Now, there's some things that, you know, they go through a natural experience of growth and it doesn't involve much stimulus from an external source. But, but as long as the, the entity itself is not um, put in the position to grow, it will not grow. Um, I remember, you know, at our old house, we had this lemon tree that we planted. Laura, how many years did we have this tree planted for? What, about seven, eight years? And this tree would, I mean, in my mother's garden, this tree was about seven, eight foot tall. At our house, this tree would not grow more than three feet tall. And I kept thinking, something's wrong with this tree. Um, you know, I thought, I thought maybe, well, maybe it's, a maybe, maybe it's a defective species or whatever. But, but the thing was, there were other factors that, you know, were unique to our own soil that kept it from being able to grow to its full potential. Um, but the thing is, I, I couldn't just expect it to grow on its own. There were things that I had to do as one who had planted that tree in that garden um, to help it to grow. Um, and in the same way, there are choices that you and I must make if we are to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We have to prioritize spiritual growth. It is not automatic. When we came to faith in Christ, the Bible describes us as baby Christians, as as those who are, are, and it's not necessarily negative, but it, we were not mature. We were not fully grown in our faith. But God's expectation is that we don't remain in that state. He wants us to grow. He wants us to move from drinking spiritual milk, the elementary aspects of our faith, to now we're eating, we're eating meat, we're eating the solid food. And, and now not only are we, are we in a position to be fed, but now we're feeding others. But, but if we don't prioritize growth for ourselves, then we cannot expect... To, um, to meet or to, to reach the, the potential that Christ has for us. But, but I, want, I, want you, I want to emphasize on that word priority this morning because, because having the right priority is very, very important. In fact, it reminds me of a story I came across as I was preparing today's message where you had this group of friends who went deer hunting. How many of you have ever been deer hunting before? I have never done it, but I'm, I'm actually looking forward to doing it one day. So if you know how to do it, you know, please let me know next time you're going so I can tag along with you. Um, 
but but these group of friends went deer hunting and they paired off in twos for the day and so at the end of the day um, one of the hunters came back but he came back alone and he was carrying with him this eight point buck now you know when they say eight point buck all i can imagine is that what it means is that it was a big big deer that he had killed but everybody noticed that his partner was not with him so they asked him where is harry you guys went out in twos where is harry guy response well harry had a stroke and so i left him a couple of miles back up the trail and then they asked him and said you left harry laying there and you carried the buck back to which this guy responds well i figured no one was going to steal harry i mean the thing is here's a guy whose priority is misplaced because in his mind that buck is more important than his friend who just had a stroke and in a spiritual sense, there are many times where even we as Christians, we, we, we put our focus on the wrong things. Not necessarily that it's wrong in and of itself, but we, we, felt, we, we, failed to, we failed to focus on the things that are expedient in the moment, that are important in the moment, for something that is not as important. Um, and, and it's important for us to discern um, what God wants us to focus on right now to prepare us for what he has coming in the future. And so in Romans chapter 6, verse, chapter 6, verse 11 and 4 to 14, we're going to see the Apostle Paul paint a picture for the church in Rome um, of the importance of prioritizing personal spiritual growth. And he makes the case that when you consider the fact that Christ died to save us from sin, right, um, that his desire is that you and I become more and more like him, that our pursuit in life is to know Jesus and is to not just know him, but to but to begin to think like him, begin to speak like him, begin to act like him, begin to live the way he would have us to live. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and 14 then brings this argument that Paul raises about what it means to prioritize spiritual growth because you're going to see him make the point that if you and I are to truly grow, then we need to understand, first of all, that, that there is always room for more of Christ in my life. In fact, that, I believe, is the key. The key to growing in the Lord is to realize that there's always room for you to learn. There's always room for more of Christ. You know, it, it would be a tragedy when we, if we ever get to a place in our lives where we think we know all we need to know, we've experienced all we need to experience, there's nothing else that Jesus needs to do in our lives, and so it's just left to us to do the rest. No, that's not the case. Scripture makes it clear, friends, you and I are a work in progress. And the work that Christ began in our lives at the moment of salvation is a work that will continue until the day he calls us home, whether he returns physically to receive the church to himself or he calls you and I individually home. It is a process that is lifelong and it is a process that does not end. And just as God prioritizes this process of bringing spiritual growth, we must prioritize that process as well. And as I've said many times, I'll say it again, God is a gentleman. He will not force us to do what we don't want to do yet. He will invite us. He gives us the opportunity. He, he, he lays the table with all the things that, that he wants us to enjoy and to experience. But if we don't get up and take our place at the table, if we don't get up and we begin to walk with him, friends, we will not experience the benefits that come with walking with Christ. And so I want us to read this morning, beginning in verse 11 of Romans chapter 6. Paul writes, In the same way, Having considered the fact that when you died with Christ, that now you live for him and sin is no longer a master over your life. He said, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign over your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any parts of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather 
offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master. Why? Because Paul says you are not under the law but under grace. Now jump with me to Philippians chapter 3 because this is very, very important, the segue that Paul is going to make from what he says in chapter, chapter 6 of Romans to now what he's going to tell us in chapter 3 of Philippians. In verse 7, Paul begins by saying, whatever, gain, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Here was a man who, before he came to faith in Christ, was zealous, was passionate about doing the things of God, or so he thought. He thought, Paul thought that he was literally serving the Lord's interest when he was going after Christians. He was taught by those who, who mentored him, who discipled him, to see those followers of Christ as radicals as people who are enemies of, of, of true faith in, in God. And, and so Paul, the Bible says, was zealous in going after Christians and in persecuting Christians. In fact, the first Christian martyr, remember Stephen? Paul, the Bible says, oversaw his execution, where Stephen was literally stoned to death. Why? Because he was committed to Christ. And Paul sold himself out to this cause of going after Christians so that on the way to Damascus, he had a personal encounter with Christ. And when Jesus revealed himself to him, Paul asked the question, who are you? And the Bible says that Paul, Christ's response was, I am Christ, whom you are persecuting. And the scripture says that in that moment, Paul had this encounter with Christ and his life was changed. Paul recognized that, that he had been fighting a, the wrong cause. He'd been fighting for the wrong, wrong, he had been fighting on the wrong side and he gave himself totally to the Lord. And yet, now that, he, now that he was now walking with the Lord, there were many who were saying, is this the same guy who was going after Christians? Now he's serving the Lord. And there were many who could not believe it. There were many who were shocked and they were like, no, it cannot be true. How many of you have experienced that before where maybe when you came to faith in Christ, your friends thought, oh, no, it's not real. Uh, some, some emotional experience. Yeah, you'll come back. <laughs> you, you'll get over it. And you, just, you, you, you just found Jesus, but you, you, you'll find yourself again. And, and they don't believe that you really are changed. But it takes time, right, for them to realize that the change is real. It's not a superficial change. You're not just suddenly religious, but you truly have entered into a relationship with the Lord. The Bible says that Paul begins to tell the, 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 the believers in here, right here in Philippians, that if there's anyone that could brag about, about his standing with God, uh, it was him. Because the fact of the matter is, as far as he was concerned, at a time in his life, he was doing all these things for God, or so he thought. And so when he considers now what he had to give up or walk away from in order to embrace faith in Christ, he realizes that all those things he's given up are considered garbage because of what he's gained in Christ. And so in verse 7 he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then I want you to hear what he says in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Paul is not suggesting that he doesn't know Christ. He's not suggesting that he doesn't have a relationship with Christ. In fact, Paul is passionately in love with Jesus. He's in love with what Christ represents. And yet here it is he's saying in the present tense, I want to know Jesus. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then in verse 12, not that I've already obtained all of this, or I've already arrived at my goal. Remember that phrase, not arrived at my goal? 
It's the same for all of us too. We can say the same as Paul. Paul says, I've not arrived. We can say the same, I've not arrived. No matter how long you've been walking with Christ, you've not arrived. You're a work in progress. Paul says, I've not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet not to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. Paul says, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul looks Paul looks at the, the, the Christians in Philippi and he says to them, friends, as much as I've attained in Christ, I realize that I've only begun to scratch the surface of what God wants to do in my life. And I want God to do more. And, and, and I know that the key to experiencing more of God is recognizing that there's still room for more of Jesus in my life. That, that, that as much as I may know about the Lord, there's still so much I need to know. As, much as, I've, as long as I've walked with him, I've still not walked with him enough. And, and, and yes, while we have eternity to look forward to where we will be in his presence, and we never have to worry about leaving his presence at any point when we get to heaven, while we are in this life, we are to open ourselves to the Lord and allow him to have his way in us. So quickly this morning, we see Paul address three ways that we prioritize spiritual growth. And then I want to address the what if. In other words, what if or what happens if we prioritize spiritual growth in our lives. First thing Paul says is we regard everything as worthless in comparison to gaining Christ. No, I didn't say worthless. I said worthless. Because here's the thing. There are some things that are worth embracing, worth pursuing, and yet even those Jesus says we cannot put above him. You know, there are many who in Jesus' time would say to him, well, you know, I want to follow you, but I need to go take care of this first. And Jesus said, no, and to leave that alone and to follow me. Not that he was necessarily saying abdicate responsibilities or, you know, do not take care of the things that you're supposed to take care of, but he was saying to them that those things, nothing really can ever take the place of me in your heart. My devo your devotion to me must come first. My devotion to Christ must be number one. In fact, if anything, what I believe he is saying is that our devotion to him must be the influencer of everything that we do. It must be what determines how we approach everything else in life, how we approach our relationships, our friendships, how we approach our jobs, how we approach the challenges that we face, how we approach every circumstance of our lives must be influenced by this commitment we have made to follow Jesus Christ. Why? Because the idea is that everything about us is meant to bring glory to him. So it's not that we separate our lives you know, to serve God in one aspect and then we do our own thing in the other. No, everything about us must be influenced by who Christ is. So Paul says that if we are to grow, then we must regard everything as not as worth following Jesus. That's why he says, everything else I consider rubbish. He wasn't necessarily saying that those things were meaningless, but what he was saying is that compared to knowing Christ, they're not as important. They're important, but not as important. The second thing Paul says is that we must refuse to be content with our current spiritual state. In verse 12, Paul says, even though I've attained much, I've experienced much, but I've still not arrived. I'm still working. God is still working on me. And so because I know that there's still so much more, because I know that there's so much more that God still wants to do in my life, I press on. He says, I press on. Why? To take hold of that for which Christ took hold of him. Do you realize that Jesus saved you for a reason? Jesus died on the cross for a reason. He is coming back for a reason. Everything that God does in response to you and I is for a reason. And so when we consider why he has taken hold of us, it is so that you and I might become more and more like him. 
Bible makes it clear that we are to become more like Christ. We are to embody Him. We are to embody His mind, His attitudes, His, His, His approach, His selflessness, His kindness, His care, His concern for others. And so, as long as we are, are remain hungry, as long as we are not satisfied with where we are, as long as we recognize that there is so, so, so much more that God can do in my life, then we are able to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And then the last thing Paul says is we must run this race with patience and courage. Why? Because among many things, consider that there is an enemy who is looking to trip you up. The Bible says that Satan is a thief. He is a destroyer. He wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He knows God has a purpose for your life. And he knows that barring any, any interruption, that that purpose will be fulfilled and that God will be glorified. And so because he does not want God to be glorified, Satan will try to do everything he can to get in the way, to disrupt, to, to distract, to take our focus off of Christ so that we do not run the race we're called to run. But the Bible says that when we recognize that there is more that God wants to do in our lives, then we run this race with patience. We recognize it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. We're not in a hurry to get to the finish line. We know that when it's time to get to that finish line, God himself will say, you're at the finish line. So we don't have to worry about whether we get to the finish line. We don't have to worry about, about how long it's going to take for us to get to the finish line. If, if the Lord says that I'm going to live another 50 years and that and that, and that, and that, that represents my finish line, then praise the Lord. By his grace, I am committed to running that race with patience and courage. But if the Lord says that your race is over tomorrow, friends, in the last 24 hours that I have, I will run this race with patience and courage. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's all about my willingness to allow God to work in my life and to help me become more and more like Christ. So when you consider these three things that Paul says we are to do to prioritize spiritual growth, then what does it look like when we do prioritize spiritual growth? And I want to quickly share with you in these next few minutes, four ways that we see in the scriptures how or the benefits of prioritizing spiritual growth. Number one, when we prioritize spiritual growth, then we're able to deepen our understanding of God's truth. I love what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 and 18 says. And this is Paul's prayer concerning the church in Ephesus. In fact, you'll notice this with many of his letters. He would always start many times by expressing thanksgiving, gratitude for uh, the things that he's hearing God is doing among the people and their faithfulness and their committed commitment to the Lord, even if later on he may have something that he needs to correct or he needs to rebuke them for. But in verse 17, hear what he says about the church in Ephesus. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul says the point of asking for the Spirit to bring revelation and wisdom to us is that we may know Christ better. And I pray, Paul continues, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in other that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The fact of the matter is, Paul is making clear to us that, that there is a depth to our, our knowledge of Christ that we still not yet attain. There is so much more about, about, about walking with Christ, about following Christ, that we still do not yet understand. We are still growing in. And, and Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus that in spite of all of the good things I'm hearing about you, and how you're, you're doing great things for God, and how you're growing, and how you have an impact in, in, your, in your surroundings for, for Christ, I'm praying still that God will bring a spirit of wisdom and revelation to you so that you can know him better. You can know him more. In, in the same way, I liken it to a human relationship, right? 
when, when, when we get married to our spouse, we're not expecting that in that first day we know everything that, we, that there is to know about our spouse. The idea is that the rest of our lives, however long God allows us to be together, that we will spend the rest of our lives learning about each other, um, you, know, um, you know, knowing how to serve one another. And, 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 and the longer we're together, the more about our spouse we know, yes? The longer we're together, the more about our spouse we, we understand. We, we understand what they like, what they don't like. We understand what, what, you know, what, what, their, what their habits are, what their, what their dislikes are. We, we learn more and more about them. And it's because we're getting to spend time and we're spending to, getting to interact with them. But here's the thing, and, and often overlooked key is the fact that in a relationship, um, the ability for a husband and wife to grow um, uh, in, in relationship, to go deep in relationship, hinges on each, each individual's willingness to say, you know what, there's still so much about you that I still need to learn and to know and to grow, and, and, and I'm willing to, to, to experience that. And that we extend grace to each other. What Paul is saying to you and I this morning is this. We must allow growth to be a priority in our lives. Personal spiritual growth. Why? Because when we do so, our knowledge of God's truth deepens. The more I know the Lord, the more I study his word, the, the, the better my understanding of who he is and what he's like it becomes. But not only that, not only are we able to deepen our understanding of God's truth, but then we're also able to discern God's will and then we can apply it to our lives. In Colossians 1 verse 9 and 10, Paul writes, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Paul says we are continually asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. The knowledge of his will. What is his will? It is God's desire. It is God's, it's God's, what, 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 God, what God wants for you and I. It is, it is his passion expressed to us. And of course, the greatest way that we've seen that expressed is through his word. The Bible makes it clear to us that if we are to discern God's will then we need to avail ourselves of the resource he has made available to us to know his will. But then it's not just to know his will, we must apply his will. So he goes on to say that, that we act out to fill with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So naturally, when we, are, when we, are, we avail ourselves of God's, of God's word, when we avail ourselves of God's truth, um, we, 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 we not, it's not just for us to simply hear it, but it's so we can apply it. You know, when we're asking the question, God, how am I supposed to deal with somebody who, who mistreats me? God's word addresses it. When, when we want to know, God, how am I supposed to uh, address a need in my life? God's word addresses it. When, when we want to know, how do, I, how do I face a challenge that I'm going through right now? God's word addresses it. Now, now it doesn't mean that God's word addresses specifically every single issue or experience we may go through. But the scriptures provide a general principle that you and I can embrace and apply to our lives when it comes to how we are called to live. God's desire is that the more we prioritize spiritual growth, we will discern his will and apply it to our lives. And then here's the third thing, is that our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leadership and guidance grows. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit is in your life and in my life to guide us, to teach us, to direct us. Because I don't know everything. I don't know everything. Um, and, 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 you know, I, 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 I mentioned this a while back. I remember there was a time my son asked me, and it was a question that somewhat implied that because I was a pastor, it meant I knew the Bible from cover to cover. And I said to me, to me I've read the Bible from cover to cover, but I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't regurgitate every single verse in the Bible to you. Um, and, and, and one of the things I wanted him to understand is just because I'm a pastor does not mean that I've, I've arrived or that I know everything I need to know. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. God is still teaching me things. 
And, 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 and it, it has nothing to do with title. It has to do with desire. Are we desiring for God to reveal himself to us? Are we desiring for God to, to lead us? When we prioritize spiritual growth and we are willing to embrace the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we become more sensitive to his direction. I want you to hear how Paul puts it in chapter 4 of, of Ephesians, uh, beginning in verse 14. He says that when you and I appropriate the, the, the resources that God has given us by way of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, who are called by God to equip his people for works of service. Here's what Paul says happens. When you and I begin to grow in maturity, which is the role that these individuals are to play to help us become more and more, more mature in our faith, he says in verse 14, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. That's very critical because what Paul is saying is this, that, that in the world we live in, and it was the same for his time and it is the same for ours, there are so many doctrines, friends, that... That, that on the surface they sound right. They sound biblical, they sound godly, but when you now, when you now, when you now pass them through the filter of God's word, you discover that they are not biblical. This is part of the reason why, you know, and I'm working on the series, you know, in the coming months, where, you know, part of the focus is, is challenging believers to not look to social media for our theology. We need to stop looking to Facebook or to Instagram to define our theology. When was the last time? You open the Bible to see what does God's word say. Because here's the problem, friends. If we are looking to social media to define our, 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 our approach to life, we're going to miss the mark. There's a lot of great things that are on social media. But many of them are not rooted in the word. And many believers do not know the difference. So that we begin to regurgitate the things we see online. And we've not taken the time to examine, is this truly reflective of the heart and mind of God? Again, I'm not saying through all social media, it has its place and purpose. God allowed, God gave, gave man ingenuity and wisdom to create such a thing. So I'm not saying we, 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 we throw it away, but what I'm saying is we need to be careful. It cannot be the source of our theology. The scripture makes it clear that when we are mature, then we're not easily tossed back and forth. There are so many people who, who are in the faith who are not steady. They're not stable. They're constantly pulled back and forth by one doctrine after the other, and they never stop to evaluate, is this the word of God? We must make that, that determination before we embrace any idea that's, 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 that's presented to us. He goes on to say, where not only are they tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, but also by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheme. And again, Satan, friends, is strategic. And we must realize that God's desire is that we not miss the mark on what his plan for our lives is. And here's the fourth point. We enjoy when we prioritize spiritual growth. We enjoy a closer walk and a more effective witness for Christ. In Romans chapter 15 verse 1, Paul says that those who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. It's this idea that, that as we are growing in our relationship with Jesus, knowing that you know, while there's so many great things God has done in our lives, but that there's still room for more, right? But that we also begin to recognize the responsibility that we have of also carrying along our brother and sister. That's one of the reasons why, you know, for me, you know, you know, I'm really, I want to, you know, this issue of, of discipleship through relationship, being part of a, of a group, uh, 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 an affinity group, a Sunday school class, uh, a men's ministry, women's ministry is so important because it is in these contexts, friends, that we're able to come alongside each other 
We're able to do life together. We're able to hear about our struggles and be able to stand with each other and pray. And, and sometimes God allows us to be, able to, be, to be able to be a physical, tangible resource to our brother. Paul is saying that when we prioritize spiritual growth, then we're able to make ourselves available to others. As we are experiencing a deeper walk with Christ, that walk becomes obvious to those around us and they are drawn to what Christ is doing in our lives and what Christ can potentially do in their lives. When you are growing in your relationship with God, friends, tell, listen to me. You are, you are sending a message to those around you about the priority of knowing Christ and about the benefit of walking with Jesus. And, and, and I'm not suggesting here that, that, that you know, everybody that, that knows you or that, that they're watching you from afar and knows that you're committed to Christ is going to come to you. Many, many may never even say anything to you, but guarantee you that they're watching. And what they see should speak more to them than just simply what you say. But when they see your life, do they see a strong witness for Christ? Again, not a perfect witness because nobody has the capacity to be perfect. Or do they see a faithful witness? Do they see someone who is hungry for the, for the Lord? Do they see someone who, who recognizes that, man, that there is so much of God that I, 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 I believe that he, that he wants to point to my life and I cannot take it all in. And, and, I'll, and I'm grateful that, that every day is an opportunity for me to experience his grace and his mercies are new in my life. But, but, but that hunger is so contagious that, that others can't help but come to you. Why are you the way you are? And, 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 and that they are drawn to the Christ in you. The Christ has made a difference in your life. When we prioritize spiritual growth, these are the benefits. And, and part of my goal with this series is to get us to begin to imagine. And, and, and I'm not, this series is not, meant to, it's not meant to criticize or to suggest that you're not pursuing Christ like you should. But what I hope it will do is it will help you to begin to dream. God, you've done great things in my life to this point. But God, what if, what if, what if, as we said last week, I, 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 I was more intentional about those sinful habits in my life that I've been given allowance to, and I said no more. What if, what if as we've, start, we've talked about today, I, I, I prioritize spiritual growth and, and, and studying the word, prayer, you know, connection with other believers and, and being able to, to, to be in fellowship with others, that I make those an important part of my spiritual walk. Where, where can God take you next? I mean, what, what more can, what, what, imagine what God could do even greater in your life because we're, we're putting, we're making that a priority of our lives. L- let us not settle, and I think that's maybe, maybe the, the where, where, I, where I think I'm going to end this, is let's not just settle for where we are. It's going to be very easy for us to, com- to compare ourselves with others. In fact, that was one of the things that Paul would say over and over. I'm not going to sit here and compare myself to somebody else and say, well, at least I'm better than them or at least I'm further than the Lord than they are. No, they're not the example. Christ is the example. We, we shouldn't look, if anything, if we see that our brother or sister is not where they should be, we have a responsibility to go alongside them and to help encourage them. After all, isn't that what somebody did for you? So, so who, 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 who is there around you that you need to take under your wing? That you need to take them by the hand and say, walk with me. And let, let's pursue Jesus together. When we prioritize spiritual growth, friends, there is no limit to what God can do in us and through us. Because we recognize that, that nothing else matters. Nothing else matters than, than becoming more and more like Christ. And on our way to heaven, I encourage you, don't settle. God has done great things in your life, I believe it. But there's still so much he wants to do. You have not scratched the surface of what God can do in your life if you are sold out to him and you say, God... I want you, and I want you fully. I want you fully. I want to share with you a quick story before we, dis- before we close. 
There's a pastor out of um, West Virginia. His name is David Hood. He told a story about a time where he was running with his wife. He and his wife would, would do a 5K run every now and then. And he said this particular day they were going running on their favorite trail. And, and as they're walking, eventually they're running. Um, you know, Dave says he's, he recognizes that needs to, he needs to you know, be more passionate about the, the, the experience. So he's walking faster and, and he's asking, he's like, come on, come on, come on. And she's, of course, she's walking fast with him. And as they are walking along about a half mile in, this lady, young lady, comes sprinting towards them. And she, she runs so fast by them that she literally almost, almost knocks them off their feet. And Pastor Dave says he thought to himself, man, she must be really late for something because no sane person would run the way she's running. But then after she had left them, not even another 30 minutes later, she comes running past them again. And he's thinking, oh, hold on. Is this not the same lady? And so now he's thinking, no, no, okay, I need to pick up the pace. So he starts to pick up the pace thinking that I need to start running fast. And he begins to run faster. And just as they're about to reach the end of their mark, here comes the young lady again. And now Pastor Dave is mad because he's thinking, this girl did not lap me just once. She lapped me three times. And he said he was so upset at the fact that, um, that, that her, her commitment, her passion for, for running um, made him feel like he was not doing enough. And then he said, after taking time to reflect, he said he noted this about her. He said what she showed him was that being on that path required a level of commitment that up until that point he had not himself been willing to give. Here was somebody who was running enough to where she could lap him three times on the same track. And he realized, what if I gave to this trail the same level of commitment that she gave? Rather than complain that she's lapped me three times, what if I started to do more? What if I started to go fast? What if I tried to push myself further? And, and that's the challenge I leave with you this morning is, is rather than look at our neighbor and, and, and maybe complain about you know, whether they're not going fast enough or complain that they're going too fast and that they're making you look bad. No. Are you giving a level of commitment to your pursuit of Christ that you should? Here's the reality is all of us, need to up our level of commitment. And again, it's not an issue of heaven or hell. That's not what it is. It's not, this is not an issue of salvation, but it's an issue of are we willing to be as passionate as we can be? No matter how passionate you are today, you can still be more passionate. No matter how much you've given of yourself to God, you can still give more. No matter how much you've experienced of him to this point, you can still experience more. Are you hungry for growth? Are you going to prioritize growth? In your life. I want to invite you to buy his knee this morning as we pray. God, I thank you this morning for the word. I, I thank you for Paul. He was a man who could have rested in his laurels because by our own standard, Lord, he was a man who did great things. He, ach he achieved great things for you. And in a sense, we would not be at fault for emulating his example. And yet even Paul would be quick to tell us, don't emulate me unless I'm emulating Christ. For Paul, it was important that he gained Christ and that he attained to all that Christ had to offer, has to offer, and he made that the priority of his life. He never settled. He never considered himself as someone who had arrived. He knew that there is still so much more that you wanted to do in his life. And God, in that way, God, I'm grateful that he is an example for us today, that we can emulate his same passion and fervor for you, and that, God, we can look at our own lives and in spite of all the great things you've done and, and how we can look back from the point of salvation to now and say, God, you have taken me far. You've done great things in my life, but realize that, God, there is still so much more you want to do in us. That God will be hungry, hungry for more of you. 
that God would prioritize spiritual growth in our lives, that we would say, God, I'm not going to settle. I want more. I want more. I want to know you more. I want to I know you deeper. I want to experience you in a greater measure. I, I don't want to just rest. I, wanna, I don't want to just, just settle for, where, for, what, for what I have. I want more because, because the God I serve is a limitless God. Thank God for the song we sang, Unlimited God. Unlimited God, we cannot scratch the surface, Father, of what you want to do in our lives. And so, God, I pray, help us to desire you more. Every day, God, may we desire you more than the day before. From moment to moment, God, may we desire you more than the moment that, that be behind us. God, may we seek you first above all. And God, I know it's not easy. It's, uh, you know, it's easier said than done. And, and that's why I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit, who is that companion and guide and instructor. God, we don't do this on our own. We follow his lead. And we do it because he helps us. And God, I pray, help us, Lord, to pursue you with all of our hearts. Help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to know you more. And Lord, may our lives bring glory to you. God, I pray, there's anyone that is here who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, we recognize today that growth is not possible unless we are first born again. And uh, salvation is not, is not by our own work or effort to be uh, acceptable to you or to earn your approval, Father. Salvation is fully dependent on what Jesus did on the cross when he died on the cross for our sins. And, and God, I thank you that whomever may be here today who is now walking with you, God, what an opportunity that you give us today to say, Jesus, I don't want to just know about you. I don't want to just hear about you. I want to know you personally. And that, God, you would save them today. That, God, you would meet them in their place and point of need, God. And that, Lord, when they call on you, Acknowledging that they are a sinner, acknowledging that only through knowing Christ can their lives be changed, transformed, renewed. That God, you would meet them in their place and point of need, and you would do what only you can do to change their lives. God, thank you this morning, Lord, that those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God, I thank you for salvation today. But God, help us, Lord, to help to continue, all of us, Lord, to desire you more and more and more each day. But we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said Amen, amen.